Hello everyone, welcome back to the Habitat for Humanity podcast, A Hand Up. I am your host, Ryan Willoughby. We have a doozy for you today. We sat down and interviewed Mr. Scooter Courtney of the Flint River Habitat for Humanity affiliate in Albany, Georgia. Scooter came to Habitat with a wealth of real estate and retail experience, which he used to help turn that affiliate around in a big way. So when we sat down with Scooter, we, sit, we, we really dug into some of Scooter's strategies, and he gives us some great tips on running a sound affiliate. I do apologize because we ended up losing some of the original recording with Scooter and had to go back and create a supplement, but you can tune into that supplement and get some of Scooter's great tips and some of his wisdom. So tune into that as well. Scooter, thanks for taking the time to, to chat with me today, man. I appreciate you. Absolutely. Um, Scooter, you've been the ED here in uh, Flint River Habitat, which is, what, what all area do you guys cover? Uh, uh, let everybody know. Yeah, well, we uh, we cover Darty County and Lee County with new construction. Right. And then we have also a, a Veterans Critical Repair mm-hmm. Program through Home Depot Corporate Office, the Home right. Depot Foundation, mm-hmm. that we can actually go into any county that touches Darty County. Oh, really? But, yes, sir, new, new, new houses, new construction, we, we stick with Darty and Lee County. Okay, it's fantastic. So that's uh, Albany and Leesburg and uh, that general area here in uh, central southwest Georgia. Yes, sir. So, um, so you've been here four years now. Um, June. Tell me, if you would, for folks who don't know you, could you just tell us a little bit about yourself, who you are, and all that sort of thing? Yeah, well, uh, my name is Scooter Courtney. I'm 43 years old. Um, I'm born and raised here in Albany, Georgia. I've uh, had a... Uh, I've had considerable work experience. Uh, started off in retail when I was 18 years old, working lo- uh, loss prevention and security. Moved up through the ranks and was actually a human resources manager for the Belt Department Store here when after I finished my degree. <coughs> Excuse me, Ryan, I got a call, so I'm sorry, but uh, no problem. Um, from there, I was offered after I had obtained my four-year degree, I was offered a job in banking and took it as a loan officer at First State Bank of Albany, Georgia, which was a really good job. I enjoyed it. I was there for uh, over five years. Um, it just really wasn't my calling. I was felt called to, to real estate. So from there, after spending five years in the banking business, um, I started to work with Aronoff Realty, which is the largest uh, privately held commercial real estate company in the Southeast. Um, so I was there for over 10 years before I was called to Habitat, and so now I'm here. And it- you know, it's funny, I don't think I'd heard your background quite that extensively before, but it almost sounds like you were being groomed for Habitat. I mean, it, it was. Uh, when uh, I, I don't think I've told you my, my the way I got to Habitat, but uh, I've always heard that you know, pastors and preachers were called to right. a church, and I was like, no, you aren't. You just you wanted to go to the beach, or you wanted to live in the mountains, or that was the only job you could get, you know, one of those deals. Um, yeah. But anyway, I was working with Aronoff Realty, had no plans of going anywhere, had been there for over 10 years, and I was assistant manager here of property management and leasing. And um, the general manager was planning on retiring in a couple of years, and I was going to slide into the general manager. That's what I had wanted to do for a long time. Um, my passion, I, I do love real estate in general, commercial real estate and, and residential real estate. Mm-hmm. Uh, anyway, long story short, I was eating lunch one day with some friends from church. From some The men of the church were planning a... Uh, a, uh, a re- not a retreat, but a 
the uh, shoot, I can't. Like a build day? Well, it was not. A build, it was uh, the, we have a place here in Albany called the Anchorage, which okay. uh, uh, is recovering drug uh, men with drug yeah. addiction and, and alcohol, alcoholism. Mm -hmm. And so we were planning a a day out there to go remodel some bathrooms for them, oh, paint some okay. dorm rooms. Uh, one guy usually fixes lunch, and we just we serve with the the guys out there. We just tell them God loves them, tell them we love them, and all that. Anyway, Don't we were talk. eating we were eating lunch that day, and uh, a woman came over and was saying hello and goodbye to one of the gentlemen that I was eating with and she left and the, the guy said uh, you don't know who that was do you and I said no she, he said that was the executive director for Habitat I said okay well, cool and I hadn't really heard anything about Habitat other than it was that place in America's and had to do with Jimmy Carter and that was only two things I'd really ever heard about Habitat but anyway um, she left and we got up and to leave and we were going out to the anchors to kind of get a game plan of, of what was going on this was Tuesday afternoon at lunch mm -hmm. And I went out to the anchors to get a game plan, and he continued to talk to me. He said, you wouldn't be interested in that position, would you? And I said, no, I don't, I don't think so, Harold. Uh, um, you know, I'm, I'm good where I'm at. And uh, anyway, he kept talking to me about it. And his wife, Harold's wife, was the chairman of the board oh, for okay. here, for Habitat. So that's how he was involved with Habitat. He wasn't directly, but he was indirectly involved through his wife. Anyway, uh, we're at the anchors to get a game plan. He has called her, and she comes to the anchorage. She and this is, I mean, this is way out of the way. She mm -hmm. comes there and has a job description in her hand with a piece of paper, <laughs> and so uh, she gives it to me. I said, "Okay, well, I'll, I'll look at it." And, and I went home and I looked at it. And Ryan, the last 20 years of my professional career was uh, on that piece of paper. Oh, really? Everything oh from retail with the restore, from uh, from banking because mm -hmm. Habitat is a bank, um, from the commercial real estate with the restore and the residential real estate my background everything was on that piece of paper and I just it was I mean it was a it was a sign yeah. it was it was there um, I didn't want it to be because um, <laughs> I had a good job yeah right. but anyway uh, I went home and told my wife I said if I don't at least send my resume to them mm -hmm. I'm going straight to hell I mean <laughs> you just can't you can't get this kind of sign right. and not do it so anyway this was Tuesday I evening okay um, Tuesday lunch had this meeting chance encounter I say chance, it wasn't chance. Um, Tuesday night, I updated my resume. Had to two of my uh, references. It had been over over ten years since I had used my resume, so right. uh, two of my references were dead. Oh, so I had to up, up, update my resume. Anyway, I, I sent it over to Leslie Tuesday night, who mm -hmm. was the chairman of the board. She called me Wednesday morning mm -hmm. and uh, said that they were doing some interviews Wednesday night, but okay. wanted me to see if I could schedule my uh, for the following Wednesday. Okay, a week later. A week later. Yeah. I okay. Said, I said sure. That's fine. I said. If you want to talk to me, great. If you don't, great. Right. I'm I'm good either way, Leslie. I'm like I said, I'm not looking for anything, but you know, felt like I had to do this. Right. Um, so anyway, she ended up calling me Wednesday afternoon about five o'clock mm -hmm. and saying we would like to put you. We have three interviews lined up for tonight. We'd like to put you as the fourth interview at mm -hmm. nine o'clock. Is that okay with you? Oh wow. Okay. And I said, yeah. If you if you want me there, I'll be there. So I said, okay. So I went in and I did interview and you know I was very upfront and honest and but I mean I was not trying to get the job by any stretch of the imagination I was not right I, did, I mean I was not trying but I was you know 100% upfront and honest anyway they uh, we talked had a good meeting um, then uh, so that was Wednesday night so the lunch was Tuesday interview Wednesday night at Thursday morning at 8 o'clock mm -hmm. Leslie called me and offered me the position oh, wow. so it was just boom 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 and yeah. um, it was hard for me to leave Aronoff um, you know I had a, a very strong uh, very strong relationship with the people that were there right um so uh, it was very hard but it was uh it was something that i had to had to do well i think we're all uh better off because you did uh because you know tell, tell me a little bit about when you when you got here you know 
started the job off. It wasn't all sunshine and roses. Well, um, so. Flint River Habitat for Humanity was very established. Right, yeah. You know, we have been here since in existence since 1986 when, right. when Flint River Habitat was, was founded. Um, we're right in the backyard of International. America's is less than 30 minutes north of us. Um, so we were very established affiliate. Uh, had, had a lot of support in the early years. Um, Albany uh, had a historic flood in 1994. There was a big initiative after that after that flood to build a neighborhood out by our airport, which was completed right before I got here. Mm -hmm. So it took about 20 years to get that, actually 22 years to get that neighborhood uh, filled in. But we have over 65 houses there, so that's that's you know that's awesome. That's awesome. Um, the affiliate itself, uh, you know, had, had had some struggles for a couple years, mm -hmm. um, mainly financial struggles, and mm -hmm. that was the one thing that I'd walked into that I, you know. I guess I wasn't counting on right. for it to, to be, you know, uh, as dire needs as it was, right. but it was, and just kind of put my boots on and, and mm. went to work. Well, and let's talk about how you went to work, because I, I mean, I don't know if folks know this about you or not, but I mean, your, your restore here is doing great. It was not doing great when you got here four years ago. Correct. Um, it was very different than, I mean, we're shooting this here in your restore. It's, you know, really a, a wonderful place but this is not where you were four years ago. Tell us a little bit about where you were and how you got here. Yeah, well, like I said earlier, my background was commercial real estate. Right. So when, uh, after I had uh, met with the board, they offered me the position. One of the first things I wanted to do was go see the restore because I had not been inside the restore. I had never visited, never been. I'd heard about it, but had never been. So uh, I walk inside of the restore and it's in a, um, a non-retail part of town. Um, it's in a non-retail building. It's in an old uh, office building. Uh, paper manufacturer, excuse me, printing facility. Oh, is that what the, the facility was? Okay. It was, it was Calhoun, uh, Calhoun Office Products, and they basically did stationery and, and stuff like that. So it was a, it was not a retail building. Right. And uh, if I didn't learn anything at Aronoff, I learned the three rules of, of commercial real estate. What are those? I, I've never heard those, so. Never heard the three rules of commercial <laughs> real estate? Location is the first one. Location is the second one. And the third one's location. Okay, so, all right, correction. I heard them. I didn't realize it. That, that, okay. I just assumed that was kind of all real estate. Um, okay, and, and obviously this didn't meet that. No, that, no, that was the first thing in my mind. Was like, we've got to, we've got to do something. This is not, this is not a conducive place to do business. If you, if you, if you're going to run a, a resale thrift store, no matter what the end game is for, if you're going to run it, it you, you've got to run it right, and you got to treat it with respect and 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 what it is if you want it to be successful, mm -hmm. in my opinion. Oh, absolutely. And so, you know, as I'm like I'm looking around here, just like I'm looking over here at your radios that you got for everybody. You're wearing a really nice. You know, restore fleece, and you, you talked about the importance of the uniforms and everything. What, what to you does running it right look like? I mean, versus when you got here. I mean, what what were some of the the pitfalls that you saw the restore was in, and and you corrected and that sort of thing. Well, that's the awesome thing about a restore, Ryan, is that um that we have done a lot of things right. We've done a lot of things wrong, mm -hmm. um, and every day you're going to learn something new. It doesn't matter. It uh, it's the most amazing thing I've ever seen with. Except with the exception of my children being born, <laughs> um, it's just something. There's it's something new every single day. Mm -hmm. No no day's going to be the same. Mm -hmm. um, you're not going to come in and make, you know, 500 letters and put them in a box and send them out. You know, it's just, it's going to be something new every day. Right. Um, so it's uh, there's no right way or wrong way to run a restore. It's going to it's going to be totally totally dependent upon you as a as an executive director, as a, your restore manager, the people you have in place. It's going to really depend on your community. Mm -hmm. What what you know? What assets do you have in your community that's going to make your restore successful? 
right. one of uh, one of our top two of our top five sellers in our restore is trim mm -hmm. because we have a wood grain distribution facility right here in town. Right. Um, you know, if you don't have that in your town, then you won't be able to do it. Bigger towns like Atlanta and Columbus, they might have another distribution uh, warehouse there that, that they, I know the Home Depot distribution is right outside the McDonough restore and that's where they get a turn of their donations. So that's right. a, every restore is going to be different right. and, and very unique. Um, but if we as Habitat embrace a restore mm -hmm. the way that Flint River Habitat has embraced this one over the last three and a half years, I cannot imagine the difference it would make in people's lives, changing people's lives by the number of houses they're able to build, mm -hmm. running a restore as a business mm -hmm. compared to just having one as part of your affiliate. Right. I'd love to kind of dive into that because I remember when we were here in December, we, we had an affiliate roundtable here at your offices. You, you, you made really clear the importance of running the restore as a business. You know, I think you said that when you, when you first came on, you told your board, said, look, if we're going to survive, it's going to be surviving because of this restore and we need to run this restore like a business. Absolutely. So, so it, tell me what you see as kind of the characteristics of not running it like a business and how do you correct those characteristics? Does that make sense? Yeah, I would say the characteristics of not running like a business. One, you have to you have to have a good grip a good grip on your P and L, and you've mm -hmm. got you've got to have a business mind. Um, the year before I took over as ED, uh, because our fiscal year I, I started in June, took over July first. The year that before I took over, our restore on Pine Avenue actually had a loss of thirty thousand wow. dollars, and that's not sustainable. You no. can't wait. A, you can't keep it up, and B, you're taking money directly from the affiliate to to put into a store that's losing money. Right. So if your store is not making money, you get serious problems. If, if it's making just a little bit of money, you still have serious problems because how much time and effort are you putting into having a restore to, to not be able to fulfill your mission? Right. And so that's basically what I told the board. I said, if we're going to do a restore, let's do it and let's do it right. If we're not going to do a restore, I'm fine with that too. And we'll just kick the affiliate off to the side and we just won't have a restore. Right. I said, but, um, I'm looking at the income statement and, and I'm not seeing a whole lot of, of areas to to generate income from. Right. And uh, the, the guy that I was talking to, him and his wife, he, Harold Bowling is the one that told me, this store is going to be your answer. And, right. uh, and, and it was a answer. I won't say it was the answer, but it, yeah. was, it was definitely a answer to, uh, to our longevity, right. to us building a brand here in Albany, Georgia, and us building... Something. Um, one thing I do want to talk about is, you know, I love donors. I love. Right. I didn't encourage. In, in, I'm talking about cash donors, yeah, not, yeah. not resource donors, but cash donors. I love cash donors. I love applying for grants. Mm -hmm. um, the problem with that is there's really not a lot I, that I've seen in the last four years. There's not a lot of consistency to that. That's right. Um, cool. You know, your your cash donors may die. Your That's cash right. donors may move away, and or they might just have a change of heart. Something might cancer might touch their family, or Alzheimer's or Parkinson's. Or, there's so many other things that could touch their family, right. and they generate their their cash donations somewhere else. Mm -hmm. um, Corporate donations are the same way. I found out that uh, we have a PG plant here, and it's awesome, and they support us great because the plant manager supports Habitat. Right. If someone comes in and they're not a big Habitat guy, they're some other United Way. I mean, they're all great organizations and, and they all deserve our attention. But I'm just saying if, if, you know, if you lose that corporate sponsor for whatever reason, how are you gonna get another corporate sponsor to do $50,000 a year again? Right. So what I've tried to build here is I've, I've tried to 
get those relationships with with P&G, with Home Depot, mm -hmm. with individual cash donors, because you need those and try to retain those at all costs. Right. But at the same time, build a thrift store where people are donating to you, A, because they believe in you, Ryan, but what I've really found out mm -hmm. is people just want to get rid of their stuff. <laughs> And they, they yeah. do want, they don't want to throw it away. I mean, right. they, they do have a conscience and they do have good hearts. Right. But as far as them really caring where the end, where the end of it goes, mm -hmm. yes, I would say 25% of them do. I would say the other 75% of our donors don't. And I'm okay with that. Right. I yeah. don't, you know, I don't, they don't have to know that, that what Habitat is. Right. All they have to do is get here. Because right. if they get here, we can make Habitat what it's supposed to be. Right. Um, so. That makes perfect sense. Um, that's what I would say that, uh, you know, developing all, all the, the, the corporate sponsors, the corporate donors, the cash donors, that's all great and, and do want to try to, to work with them as, and, and they're very critical to the Habitat, the affiliate's mission. Right. But on the other hand, if you can get a restore up and going, mm -hmm. like we've been able to get here, um, we're, you know, we're looking at this calendar year, $250,000 from the restore going directly to program for for right. go directly to construction right. um and that's after that is after the restore has paid all the salaries for the affiliate and the restore wow. so that's not we're not the affiliate's not taking any money out so the the 200 250,000 going straight from going to construction from the restore that allows us to take all the affiliate money mm -hmm. all the money from mortgages all the money from cash donors all the money from your whatever grants you receive and put that back into construction too that's so awesome. that's um and that's that's my thing is if we can if we can turn this little affiliate which we're a small affiliate, right. maybe medium, if we can turn this small affiliate around in four years mm -hmm. to be do, to be producing conservatively three to four hundred thousand dollars a year to build houses, which turns into four or five houses a year, if we can do that here, right. we have over nine hundred restores in the United States. Let's conservatively say we do twenty five percent of those. How many more houses could you build? from just under under underperforming restores. Right, yeah. I mean, cuz that's the restore a lot of times I think folks find themselves in one of two positions. Either they're the restore is underperforming and it's kind of a, a cash suck like what you were having going on when you got here, you know. Um, and and maybe sometimes folks don't even realize it cuz you mentioned looking at the P&L and seeing that you know, there's so much that goes into the cost of operating the restore, right? It's not just our salaries. It's not just the fuel for the truck. It's your time, too. You know, it's it's everybody getting involved with it. It's the fact that you're detracting from the other things that maybe could be making money. Um, so we see the underperforming restores, or you see the folks that are so hyper-restore-focused that they don't focus on programs. So I love that you mentioned how you've, you know, you've got to have that marriage of the two. Absolutely. Right? You know, like they, they really have to feed off of one. One does not succeed without the other. Well, right. Well, an affiliate can succeed if you have a strong, you know, money coming from somewhere else. Right. But, yeah. but a restore cannot succeed without a strong affiliate. Right. It okay. just won't happen. Right. Um, you know, and, and I would say the biggest thing that I've seen is location. That, really? that uh, the affiliates think that they cannot afford a nice restore. Mm -hmm. And when I got here, we couldn't afford a nice restore. Right. Um, but through, uh, it took us a year to get off Pine Avenue. Right. And I was, like I said, I started on day one looking for other options. Right. Um, we did not have any money to move. And, and, you know, maybe, maybe, maybe I'm blessed with commercial real estate experience and residential real estate experience. And I could go talk to people and I knew people mm -hmm. and, and knew how to try to negotiate some favorable terms for us. 
Um, you know, maybe the regular person that didn't doesn't have that kind of experience. Maybe if they would have walked into a situation where their restore was in a bad location and and they had no money, they said, "Well, what are we going to do? We're just going to die." You know? right. And so, um, but I would encourage anybody that's listening to this to to try to reach out to international, try to reach out to other affiliates. Mm-hmm. You know, that's what I did. I reached out to other affiliates. I wanted to see every restore that was around around South Georgia and, right. and North Georgia. Um, and what I found is that most of the affiliates around South Georgia were just like ours. Mm-hmm. They were not in a good location. Um, not in a retail district and uh, and was suffering. They were, they right. were they're not not doing what they. Because because would you say it's because we weren't running it like a business? We were running it more like a like a nonprofit, you know, like a charity. You know, I mean, this it is because you just said you know because I've heard that affiliates say, well, we can't afford to be in a different, lit-. but to a certain extent, you can't afford to not be right I we mean, couldn't yeah we, we we couldn't afford to be in our location that we were at losing 30 grand a year right we just couldn't do it well and, and truthfully if you've got a restore and you're not making you know even if you're just breaking even or you're only making a couple thousand dollars you have to kind of ask that question of really are you should you even have a restore right yeah you know i mean if, if it's not making money then in effect it's going to be losing money there there's no break-even point there not really. Not, not, I mean, if you're if you're breaking even year after year, right. something's got to something's got to give. Right. Uh, there are growing pains. There are growing years. Of course. But yeah. Uh, but yeah, if you're breaking even year after year, you you need to really look back and see if it's um if it's, if a resource conducive for your right. for your town for right. your affiliate location. Right. And one kind of a practical point because you've moved what two two times. We moved twice or, in eleven months. Twice in eleven months. Yes. What. Let's talk about the cost of that, because you said about the you know costing to move. At several affiliates I've talked with, who are looking at moving or consider moving, have kind of said you know our biggest fear is, is related to cost. Um, what, just talk to me about that. What were, what were the hard costs? I mean, at the end of the day, does it cost you fifty thousand dollars to move? How? What, 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 yeah. The numbers we did when we moved off of Pine Avenue. Um, like I, like I said earlier, I went in, put my boots on, and we went straight to work. And we were able to, to – the restore sales the year before I got there was $169,000 total. Okay, great. And they lost thirty. Right. So um, so we were able to turn it around in the short year that I was there, immediately turn it around, and the store sales were 250000 So we right. were able to increase it, and we ended up profiting 70000 Great. With that 70000 we were, we were able to do several uh, – the Home Depot – Repairs right. and several rehabs right. that first year, in addition to the uh, mortgage income that we got and all that good stuff. So, we went to two hundred and fifty. We had seventy. I had about forty thousand dollars in the bank to make a move okay. after one year, um, and it is hard to move anywhere with forty thousand dollars in commercial real estate. It just okay. is. If you're, if you're going into a building as a habitat restore, as a nonprofit with with no signer, no guarantor on your lease, um, your financials look like garbage sorry yeah. um you know it's, it's gonna be hard a landlord's not gonna go in and put three hundred thousand dollars into a building for you to move into with if, if you right. don't have really really strong financials and really really strong guarantors and signers right um so you're in a predicament from the beginning so right. we we found a great spot it was right across the street from goodwill mm-hmm. it was a great building um i actually it took about two months to negotiate some terms with the owners of that building, and there were three local guys. So mm-hmm. it's a lot easier if you're dealing with local people than it is if you're dealing with somebody in Atlanta or New York City or somewhere like that. Right. Um, so you just you just have to you have to put yourself out there and, and try to get into a, a good a good 
position. And we were in a great building. We, I, we, like I said, I negotiated some very favorable terms, and, and I just I put it out there. I said, let's do a one-year lease and see how we do. And um, they wanted us to buy the building, and they wanted us to have an option to buy the building, so we did that. We were not really interested in buying the building because we had bought our building on Pine Avenue, and, um, and nine times out of ten in commercial real estate, you really don't want to buy really? because okay. you don't know – where the trend is going to go you don't want to be in a building for 10 years and then that not be the retail corridor anymore right. um, of course when we went into our building on pine avenue it was not the retail corridor <laughs> right. when we went in it so yeah. but anyway um we really liked the building uh, uh long story short our one year was up we were able to increase our sales by double so pine avenue we did 250 the first year on slappy we did 500 mm -hmm. so we were able to increase our sales by double we were doing really well um, the owners of that building really wanted us to buy the building, and I still was not comfortable with buying the building. Right. I had had my eye on another building that was in a much better part of town, a much better building, but I didn't think I could afford it. Mm -hmm. And so anyway, the owners of Slappy wanted us to buy the building, wanted us to buy the building. We didn't want to buy it, so I looked at some other options. Okay. There again, I started dealing with a local guy here. He was very habitat-minded. He said, sure, you can you can get this building. I, I'm, I don't have any plans for this building for three years. I'll do you a three-year lease for the same thing you're paying on Slappy. Oh, wow. okay. So it was awesome. So uh, it, it worked out. It worked out like it was supposed to. Um, so we moved into our building. It's an old Lowe's building, mm -hmm. which is awesome. It's 26,000 square feet, uh, right in the middle of the, all the retail that is in Albany, Georgia. Um, Albany, Georgia, we don't have a lot of industrial uh, jobs here. Um, right. So... Uh, we haven't had booms like other towns may have had where growth has gone out. Our right. mall, our mall was 40 years old, and we're one block from the mall, so it's, right. uh, we're, we're still we're in we're in what is the retail hub of right. Albany. Um, and to ex expand on that, we moved in here after six months. Sales just went through the ceiling. I mean, it was just incredible the sales. And I was talking to the owner. I said, I, I know that you gave us this building for three years, but um, I don't know what your plans are after that, but if you uh, if you ever want to sell it, not that I'm saying Habitat can afford it, but would you please give us first right of refusal? Right. And he agreed to that. And okay. so six months later, excuse me, he came to me and said, uh, hey, the guys in the back of your building, they want to buy it, da-da-da-da-da. We looked at it, the board looked at it hard. Um, the owners offered some very favorable uh, owner financing, mm -hmm. which is to me is just like a long-term lease. Sure. And we were able to get the building. So right. so now we're here. This is our forever home. Right. Um, we, uh, I, I said nine times out of ten, you don't want to buy your building. This would be <laughs> right. the one time out of ten. If, if you have a, if you don't have a strong ten or fifteen-year lease, right. you you might want to consider buying your building because you don't want you do not want to be moving every five years. That that's exactly. Um, I'm so glad you bring that because that was going to kind of be my next thought to you is. Buying versus please excuse this brief technical pause in the recording. We are back with Scooter Courtney from Flint River Habitat for Humanity. Scooter, when we took a break, you were talking to us a little bit about when you know that you have the the one out of ten times that it's okay to buy. Um, and we were talking a little bit about, you know, sometimes even with residential lots, folks try to kind of pawn off stuff onto us that maybe it's not what we're looking for. Can you tell us a little bit about uh, when you know you found the right thing? Well, you you, you will know. I mean, you will, it will, you will be able to go and look at it. And 
you know, instincts should tell you, you know, whether whether it's something that habitat could benefit from or something that habitat could not benefit from. When I got here, we had several lots, um, probably half a dozen lots, that we would never build on. And some somewhere somewhere along the line, you know, we acquired those lots. Mm -hmm. And um, I would say the only time that we would acquire or it would be in the best interest of the affiliate to acquire a, you know, a, a, a a lot that's that's not appealing to us or something that we're never going to use is if it's a package deal. Mm -hmm. So if somebody comes to you and say, "Hey, I've got two lots over here that you know I think you can build in, and I got two lots over here that are you know you might not want to build in, you might want to. I don't know. I'm going to leave that up to you. But if you want these, I would like to donate all four of these. Mm -hmm. Well, then at that point in time, of course, you take the donation and then you do something with the two lots that are that are not very yeah. appealing. Sell them off, or right? Yeah. Yes. So what about on the retail side of things? What are some of those things that you look for? You know that your instinct should say. Well, same thing. I've, I've heard if, if you're if you're looking to relocate your commercial building, your commercial restore, and you if you're not familiar with the commercial real estate landscape, I would definitely get with somebody locally and ask them. Um, you know, if, if they could provide a service to you to help you find a uh, a, a suitable location, they're going to know. And if you've been in your town any length of time, you're going to know where the where the retail hub is and, right. and how far you're willing to go outside of the hub to, to still to be able to afford your building, but also still be able to have a successful restore. Um, get with a commercial real estate guy and go around and and I would say don't compromise. You know, if, okay. if you can't, I mean, if if you can, don't compromise. Um, and say, saying that, we did. You know, where we were at on Pine Avenue, to, to get out of Pine Avenue, I had to comment. I don't think, I'm pretty sure, my board even said they wouldn't, that we would not have made the leap of faith from Pine Avenue, which was a building that was valued about $250,000. The building on, on Slappy that we moved into was about a five or $600,000 building. The building we're in now was a $1.5 million building. I don't think, and I know because the board told me they wouldn't have, they would not have made that lead, and I, I wouldn't have either. I, I was not that confident in the sales that I would have jumped from a $250,000 building to a $1.5 million building. It just, sure. you know, so. Um, but at the same thing, don't compromise. Don't take, just because just because you're getting a good deal somewhere, mm -hmm. um, make sure it is a the best deal for Habitat to, right. to, to, to make sure your store is successful. There's, I just don't know how how much to emphasize that, Ryan, is that, you know, this, you're, your store in in this case made or break us, right. and, and it has made us, and this is going to continue to make us, and it's going to give us the opportunity to do so many other things. I'm not talking about just the retail sales; it's the restore has given Flint River Habitat so many more opportunities. It's opened so many doors to donors, mm -hmm. um, because we've acquired the habitat donors because they people want to get rid of their stuff and they don't want to throw it away. Right. We've acquired them, and that has built to long term relationships. Whether that's volunteering in the restore, whether that's Hey, I, what are y'all doing here? Well, we're Habitat for Humanity. We build houses for low-income families. Oh, well, that'd be awesome. Um, how can I get involved in, in that part of it? So we, we've made relationships where we have companies that an individual just donated something to the restore, and we've turned that into a relationship where their company volunteers on the construction sites now. Okay. Their company hosts events for us. Their company gives us cash donations at the end of the year. So you know your restore, right. you, you, your restore can open up a lot of a lot of avenues. Right. Um, I'm going to look up, I'm going to let you ask the next question, but I want to look up and just, because I had the number in my head last week because we just finished the year, our calendar year in. 
but how many clicks mm -hmm. the restore had last year. And that's how many times the cash register was opened okay. in the restore last year. And you're, well, this is kind of a practical point. You're checking this on your phone. I remember you showed me this back in December. You guys are, are y'all using Square? Is we that, we are using Square. Use Square. Um, that is the most friendly, friendly user version out there. Right. It's a it's a little bit more expensive than some other models out there, but it's what we've just decided to use because it's so user friendly. Right. Um, the the staff out there loves it. Um, when I got here, they were using a computer with a mouse with right. one register, and right. um, now we're fixing to add our third register mm -hmm. in, which is a square, and uh, you just all, you all just, digitized. yeah, all, iPad basically. Yes, all on iPad, you just touch it and go. Um, so I, I know if I tried to change square out there now, they would probably hang me by my toenails. <laughs> So, but, you, but you can check, I mean, for, since folks are listening and I able to see this, Scooter's got his phone out, and he's able to pull up all of his records yes. from the restore. He can tell you what the sales were and then the different departments and everything. Yeah, it'll yeah. tell you the, the gross, what the most was. And That's just great. looking it up here, um, last year, we just ended uh, December 31st, 2019. Our sales for our first, this is our first year in our store, okay. in, in our new store. We, we opened in June mm -hmm. of 18. So we had six months of 18, but this is, this is just for... January 1st, 2019 through December 31st, 2019. Right. We finished the year at $793,360,000. Um, so, so 793, and then what's, um, you said was the total square footage on this, this property you guys are the, the restore yeah, square, you know, because we do have our affiliate in here. Um, right. We're sitting in the conference room right now, but the uh, the restore square footage after you take out all the offices and the break room mm -hmm. um, is about 18,000 square feet. So if, if you did 793,000, I'm just rounding that, you know, at eighteen thousand square feet, you're pulling in about forty-four dollars and five cents a square foot. Yes, about that. Yes. And then, I don't think I don't know if we've mentioned it or not, but behind, one of the reasons you bought this building as well is you guys have a tenant in the backside of it, right? We do. Like I said so earlier, you're this leasing was, out part of it as well. Yeah, like I said, this was a Lowe's building. Right. right. Um, so uh, the the back part was converted years ago to a roofing supply company. Right. And um, and they're still there. Right. And um, and what, what you said earlier about was it better to buy or lease. Our options with this building, if we bought the building, I wanted to buy the whole building. In commercial right. real estate, in my opinion, other people have different opinions, but in my opinion, it's never a good idea to buy half a building right. um, just because you don't have control over who your neighbors are. Right. Um, so we, we elected to buy the building. Um, Sunny Land Roofing Supplies back there, they've been back there for eight years, I think. Mm -hmm. um, we, I renegotiated their lease with them. Okay. They, they wanted to renegotiate, so we have another five-year signed lease with mm -hmm. them with a five-year option so they can be back there for another 10 years. Right. Um, they help us pay our note on this building. Right. Um, they pay 80% of our note on yep, this building. So yeah, it's, um, it's a no-brainer. They're, they're good neighbors. They're a roofing supply company. We need right. shingles. You know, we, we've got contacts. Right. Um, but to go back to the clicks of the $793,000 in sales, the cash register was open 37,219 times. Wow. So that's 37,000 customers, there's 37,000 potential donors, right. 37,000 uh, roundup participants you know, to, to get money for the housing. I, okay, so you guys do that. You do the roundup. Well, we're, Square's still working on it. We, oh, okay. we do have a button out there that we can manually do it. Okay. But, um, but right. yes, I've been trying to get the roundup for a while, and Square does okay. not do it yet, but they're working on it. So I'm okay. hoping to get that. But we can manually do the roundup button. We do ask customers if they want to round up. That, that to me, is such a great, easy way to, to generate a little extra, you know. I mean, imagine if you're generating 20, 30 cent every single time you right. from somebody. I mean, that's at 37,000 times. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, that's huge. It is. Um, that's huge. And the biggest thing that, yeah, well, back up three steps here in order to get that seven hundred ninety three thousand dollars in sales ryan mm -hmm. 
you've got to bring $793,000 worth of inventory into oh, your yeah. store. That's great. That's hard. Right. That's extremely hard. That's the hardest thing you can do. How do you, do, how do you manage to do that? Uh, donor acquisition. Right. You've got to get those donors to, to your doorstep. Like I said uh, earlier, we did 169000 in 2015-16 fiscal year. The goodwill here was doing $2 million. Wow. So we had to, in, um, we, we had to get part of that market share. Right. Um, and there was people that were giving their stuff to other people in town that were not giving it to Habitat. Right. Um, and the biggest thing you have to do is location. You've got to be where your donor is. Be where the donor is. And, um, and uh, your, your, your buyer, which we have a ton of people that come through the back door, donate, then they come through the front, and then they shop around. Right. Um, but your, your buyer is willing to drive 60 miles to right. shop with you. Your donor is willing to drive two miles right. to donate to you. So right. you've got to um, you've got to make sure you're accessible. You've got to make sure you're uh, in the in the right area. Mm-hmm. You got to make sure your donor uh, area is very compatible to your donor. Really? I highly encourage a drive-through covered parking area where if it's sprinkling or if it's hot, they can drive up. They're in shade. Right. Um, you have to make sure that donor experience is perfect. Yeah. Um, or as perfect as you can make it. Um, you got to have the right people in mm-hmm. place back there. That's, I mean, if, if you've got somebody that's just walking around ho-hum and, you know, like their best friend just died, that's not going to be a good experience for that donor. Right. I mean, you've got you've got to make that experience for that donor because that donor's going to have dinner with someone tonight, mm-hmm. and they're going to talk about, if you if they had a bad experience today at Habitat, they're going to talk about it. If they right. had a good experience, they might talk about it, they might not. Right. Nine times out of ten, they're not. <laughs> but if they had a bad experience, you can guarantee they're going to they're gonna talk about it. So, right. um, and that's what we've done. We just, uh, um, you know, we we mentioned this at our, at our round table that we had in December, mm-hmm. that we accept clothing and right. we accept bedding here. Um, we do accept that merchandise, but we don't sell it in our store. Right. But we partner with other nonprofits. <clears throat> Um, you'll be amazed that, you know, when, usually when somebody has something to donate, they don't usually just have clothes. They right. usually have clothes and toys or something else. Right. Um, if, if somebody has a bed to donate, usually they just don't have a bed to donate. They have a bed and, and a bed frame and mattress and dresser and all that other stuff. Right. So, uh, so what we've done here, we've partnered with other nonprofits that we feel are doing great service in Darty County and Albany. Mm-hmm. And we accept those things and then we in turn donate it to them. So the Salvation Army comes by, they get clothes. We get a ton of clothes. We tried clothes for about a month on Slappy, and it was like, we're not a clothing, we're not not good at it. We're not going to, it takes a ton of manpower to do it. Um, So we just, we decided that we'd stick with with the Salvation Army. Salvation Army sends their truck over here once a week and fills it up. It's a 16-foot box truck, and they fill it up. And all we have to do is make a little spot in the back for it. But it lets that donor know when they come by there and they say, do y'all take clothes? Yes, ma'am, we take them. Well, I've got some clothes and some toys, and then we, we do tell the donors, we're up front, and say, hey, we don't sell clothes in our store, right. but we donate with Salvation Army. Well, I, I, don't care care. What, I don't care what you do with it. Yeah, they, just, <laughs> they just want to make one trip. They don't really care. What they don't want to drive. They don't want to spend all afternoon driving around town to right. donate their stuff to the different nonprofits that can, that can do their stuff. So we've right. made, we've made a, a one-stop shop. Great. Please excuse this brief technical pause in the recording. Before we cut out here, I think we're having a good conversation about how you utilize the resource ultimately as the end game being for the mission and keeping everybody focused on that. Um, you know, how have you managed to do that as a leader? I mean, in the sense of 
keeping your board, keeping your staff, everyone else, you know, kind of working, saying, okay, we've got the restore, we had to turn it around, but now we can move forward and focus on the mission. How, how do you go about doing that? As a, well, every uh, every Friday morning we have an, we have a meeting. We have a staff meeting that has to fill it in the restore together. Um, and we do our devotion. We we do open open it prayer, do a daily devotion, just to just to make sure that you know that we're staying on course with with what our founding fathers intended for us to do, which is being a God-centered organization. Mm -hmm. um, and then I I talk to them and tell them you know every the meeting is it it goes into the restore, but the meeting starts off talking about why we're here, what we're supposed to be doing here, and how great it is that all of our jobs, the, the way we support our families and the way we put food on our tables is that we get to help people. Right. And there's not a whole lot of professions out there that can say that. Right. Um, you, of course, you got your doctors and nurses and all that good stuff, sure. but, but most of your um, you know, professions, they, they might provide a, a good meal at Outback to somebody, but, but did they really help them? Did they really impact their life? Right. Um, and so we, we, I make sure we emphasize on that at every meeting, every, right. every board meeting, that you know, the, what we're doing here is good stuff, and, mm -hmm. and we're changing lives. We're not just giving somebody a house. We're not just selling a house. We're not just building a house. We don't just have volunteers coming. The, what I love about Habitat and why I came to Habitat and why I was so called to Habitat was to actually have a chance to directly change a child's life. Because right. let's face it, you know, the Habitat homes are great for the adults, but that's not, that's not, that's not going to change yeah, it's the, the world. Term. It's long term. And that, that kind of feeds into the idea of um, one of the things we were talking about earlier, and I think we recorded this earlier and got cut. Um, to anybody else, <coughs> Scooter and I had a really great conversation, and then I figured out the mics weren't turned on. So um, you were talking about kind of this idea of having the right people in the back facing your customers when they're coming in to make donations, because we were talking about so much about location and everything. It, it's... It, you, 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 you said so many wonderful things about being customer-centered when you're working in the resource, but also being donor-centered, because it's one and the same here in effect, right? Could you just kind of reiterate your, your theory on all of that as far as how you give the donors a good experience, give the customers a good experience, and, and still tie that in with the mission? Yeah, well, I think what we were saying was about how uh, the restore, how you can utilize your restore to attract more donors right. and get um, that... that telling you about how well the sales were for our first year, our first calendar year in this building. We did $793,000 for our first calendar year for 2019, which is amazing. Um, and what I was looking up was the clicks, the number of times that the cash register opened. And it was over 37,000 times that the cash register opened. So um, yes, we do have a lot of repeat customers, but that's 37,000 opportunities to interact with a future donor. That's 37,000 opportunities to get your existing customer to tell other people about you, to tell other people how about hey, have you been to the restore? It's awesome, man. They got everything in there. It's just, they got great stuff in there. You know, I was thinking it was going to be a normal thrift store with a bunch of trash and garbage in it, and it's not. It's I mean, this, they got really really nice things. They got build materials. Uh, we have a wood grain distribution store here that um, donates a lot of trim, a lot of crown, quarter round, base, RB3 door and window trim, doors, interior doors, exterior doors. Um, that's just two of our top five sellers is from that one donor. Right. So, uh, but what we were talking about was the, the 37,000 clicks and the $793,000 in sales that we did last year. That's great. That's, I mean, you, you've got to have that customer service. You've got to have the location. You've got to have a clean, nice, friendly smelling store. When you walk in it, you don't want to walk in and smell like, you know, damp carpet or anything. Um, air conditioned 
Eric, oh my gosh, I, you you do not need to be in retail unless you're a flea market, and I mean that's you know I you just don't need to have a non air conditioned building. I mean, right. Whatever you need to do. Right. Um, but in order to get that $793,000 in sales, you put all your effort into your store. You put all your effort, make sure your store is nice, make sure the exterior is, is visually pleasing, make sure the interior is visually pleasing, make sure you got enough parking, make sure you're in the right part of town. All that stuff is good, and it's part of the, part of the package. You have to do that stuff. But in order to have $793,000 in sales, you've got to get $793,000 worth of product through your back door. Um, and that's hard. That's that's if you ask anybody in the restore the donor acquisition, um, getting the donors to you, uh, being in the right location is the first part. You've got to be. They say that your uh, your customer will drive 60 miles to you, mm -hmm. your donor will only drive two miles to you. Right. So you've got to be in the right location. Um, and one of the things that we've done is that we accept all donations here. Right. If it's uh, if it's if it's trash, which we get trash, we throw it in a trash can. Um, but if it's something that we can't sell in the restore, like clothing or bedding, we partner with other nonprofits here in town that are not in the best of location. They are downtown Albany. They are 10 miles away. Um, you know, somebody out of the way, you really don't ever get that far out of town um, or in town. But uh, you, we accept those donations. So when somebody is cleaning out their house and they have... 14 bags of clothing, a set of mattresses, two dressers, and a bunk bed, they bring it to us. And, and we're upfront and, and honest with, the, with our donors. So, yes, we accept all these donations. The only thing you, you'll see we don't sell in our store is, is clothing and bedding. But we have we partner with other, other organizations in town, like the Salvation Army, to donate those to. Right. Um, so your guy in the back, your guy or gal in the back that is doing donor acquisition, that is unloading the cars for people, that is the face of Habitat. That is the most important job in this restore is that donor acquisition and your guys on the truck. Your guys on the truck maybe a little bit more because they're going into people's houses. And right. how many people does your wife let in your house on a weekly basis? Yeah, exactly. So you're taking two door, two guys knocking on your door, strangers, and you're going to let them in your house. Um, so you, you've got that is the most important jobs here is is your guys on the truck that are going out in the community, you know, getting that trust, building that trust that you know to to don't not only to give their stuff to us but to let us in their house and right. and and knowing that we're going to take care of their house we're not going to scratch the floor we're not going to put a hole in the wall right. um you know we're going to be careful and cognizant of their donation we're not going to get halfway down the steps outside and it fall down the steps and tumble all the way down um right. so you know just just the small things but right. that right that is the hardest part about a restore is getting Knowing that your sales depend 100% on the stuff you get in the back door. Right. You know, we're not selling, I tell the guys here all the time, we're not selling hats and T-shirts. I can't order more. Right. Um, so uh, that that's the hardest part. But but taking that hard part mm. and turning it into an opportunity right. is what's going to make you successful. And that kind of following in line with what you said about telling the guys in the back. I mean, again, we, we were talking about this earlier, so I'd love to just reiterate it. Your leadership style is very much a hands-on, lead-by-example you know, with these guys that are on the truck, you're not just telling them, yeah, you're the face of Habitat. You're showing them, yeah, you are the face of Habitat. I mean, you're going out there showing them, okay, when I say that we're going to have good customer service, here's what that means, right? I mean, you take care of the little things. Absolutely. I don't I don't just tell them what needs to be done or I don't um, tell them what we need to do on a daily basis. I'm out there doing it. And that's um, that's one thing that I, and, and to each their own, everybody has a different leadership style right. um, but that's one thing that i've heard about other habitats and 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 this one here when i got here uh the people in the the restore said the previous director was here for two years and um and you know that 
maybe they were not as involved right. in the restore as, as the restore people would have liked. Right. And so I kind of took that and, and went with it saying, you know, well, we've got to have this restore. It, it's got to, it's got to be, it's got to work. We don't have a choice. Right. Um, so for the first six months I was on the truck. Right. We, we did pickups four days a week with a volunteer from Turner Drive Corps and it was me. And I went out on the truck and I did it and I showed everybody in the store that, that I'm willing to do it, and I don't expect any less out of anybody here. And, right. and I, I still do that today. Um, I still go out on the truck, um, not as often, not four days a week, but uh, but I, but absolutely, absolutely. And um, and there, and the other thing I have going for me here is I'm a, I'm a hometown guy. I've been right. here for 43 years. Um, I was in commercial real estate for over 10 years. I was in banking. I was in uh, Retail, so I do know a lot of people, right. and a lot of people have my cell phone number, right. and a lot of people call my cell phone number to do a pickup. And right. so when it's a personal friend of mine or a business acquaintance, yeah. absolutely I'm gonna be there. I'm yeah. not. I'm not gonna. You know, this it's about relationships. Your your yeah. whole life is about relationships. Every job you ever get is gonna be about a relationship. It doesn't matter. You know, it don't matter if you're flipping burgers or if you're the CEO of a Fortune 500 com company. It's gonna be your success is gonna depend on your relationships with people. So. You know, that's you. Here we, we give it all at Flint River Habitat. I, I give it all, and I don't expect any less out of anybody that's on our team. That that's I'm Scooter can see this because he can see my face. I'm just like smiling because I'm so happy to hear that about the relationships and and how. And I'd love for you to dig into because I asked you a question earlier about keeping your board. You know how you kept the trust with them. I think you develop a culture here that centers around everything that you just said about having that sort of attitude that's habitat-centric, um, that's people-centered, that is relationship-centered. Expound a little further on that. Maybe just repeat a little bit what we recorded earlier but didn't record. <laughs> about, about how you, you build and keep trust, not just with your board, but with your staff, but being so habitat-centered. Well, so um, my favorite devotion that, that we've done here and, and is goes back to it is, is in the Bible verse, too, is do unto others as you do unto yourself. Mm -hmm. um, and and the going further than that, that be kind, right. be kind to others. It, it costs absolutely nothing to be nice to somebody. Right. Um, so when you're in the restore, give that customer service. You know, it, it, the bathroom's on the other side from my office on the restore. So I, when I walk through there, I speak to every customer I see. Hey, good morning. How are y'all doing? You need right. any help with anything? Let us know. I mean, be nice. Be be kind to people. And your and your staff does that too. I noticed even just walking around. Absolutely. Well, if they if they see me doing it, I don't have to tell them to do it. That's you know, right. yeah. they, they're just gonna they're just gonna automatically automatically do it. Um, but not only doing that from your walk to the restroom from your office, do it at McDonald's. Right. Do it crossing the street. You know, be be kind to each other. Be right. be nice to each other. Um, so that's my first rule: is, is to yeah. be nice, be kind. Um, it costs nothing. Manners cost nothing. I love my two-year-old. <laughs> my two-year-old has the best manners ever. Right. Um, my uh, eight-year-old brought her a glass of milk last night, and uh, she was like, "Thank you, Mary Ruth." And she's two years old. She can't even talk. Yeah. So, um, but uh, awesome. but anyway, uh, have good manners. Be nice, um, and. Take care of habitat. Right. Um, that's that's the other thing I do is is you know, my old boss at my old job at Aronoff Realty. The main, the most important thing he ever taught me was, if you take care of Aronoff, Aronoff's going to take care of you, Scooter. If whatever decision you make, if you have Aronoff at the 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 is the the best answer you can give is going to uh, benefit Aronoff the most. You're never gonna have any trouble. You're right. never gonna get in trouble. You're never gonna get written up. You're never gonna get you know fired or or, or anything. So, right. so so if you have Aaron off in, in your in the best interest, if you take care of Aaron off. Aaron off take care of you. 
Same thing here at Habitat. Same thing in life, but right. same thing here at Habitat. If if and I, we have a staff meeting every every Friday morning, and uh, and I tell the guys all the time, if you take care of Habitat, Habitat's going to take care of you, and you don't have to worry about anything else. Right. And that I, I'd, I'd like to follow that up with uh, a quote that you said um, you got from the guy at Chick Fil A. Yes. He was talking about um, you know, sometimes you're going to have maybe employees that that aren't going to have Habitat mindset right they're not going to put habitat first tell me was to tell listeners the quote that you got from chick-fil-a and how you've how that's affected you here that well uh part of my commercial real estate in the in the mall business here was i was able to, to deal with the chick-fil-a guys all the time and, and just the, the chick-fil-a uh whole corporate mindset is just an awesome one to follow um, so anytime they were talking i was listening um, but one of the things the guy the the local uh, owner operator here said because i said how do you get i mean you walk through the mall and you're gonna get one type of customer service right. you go chick-fil-a in the mall you're gonna get a whole nother level of customer service i said how do you do that and you got the same employees i mean i saw one of them at the store the other day you right. know and then i saw one that was at your store he was at another store right. and um and he said you know our 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 thing here at chick-fil-a is that you bring somebody in and you change them you you make them mold around to, to what kind of customer service you want to give. You right. change them. And, uh, and then he, the next thing he said was very profound. He said, if you can't change them, you change them. Right. So you, you get somebody else in. Um, so that's one thing that, that I've had to, uh, had to do, you know, had, had to realize that, you know, if you do your best to change somebody, you, you, you do your best to lead them. You do your best to, uh, you know, lead by example. Um, but in the end, if you can't change them, then you have to change them. And right. that's something that you I mean you talked earlier about that I, that I kind of took as a personal failure early on in my career that you know if, if that I could fix anything you know right. I, I can do it I can handle it you give me whoever you want to and I can we we'll you know we'll go and win right. um, and that was one thing that I had to realize early on that you know you, you can't change everybody right. um, so you just you got to be smart enough to know when you can't change those and then you change them and you get the right people in there and you know everybody everybody has a good fit everybody's everybody's supposed to be where they're at but the good lord's gonna put you where he wants you at and he's gonna put you in places where you know you're not a good fit just to just to let you know that when you're in the place where you are a good fit that's because you knew you weren't over there so you would never know if you were in the right place if you weren't in the wrong place yeah i guess that's (laughs) yeah um so changing gears a little bit, just kind of to, to wrap up and, and keep things going. Um, we've talked about you know things that you've done that have been successful, and um, let's talk about the things that were not successful. You know, I think we got cut off. We were talking about a, an Amazon purchase. Yes. Yeah. So, so tell us about the stuff that you've done, not just at the restore, but even just in leadership. Uh, you know, here at Habitat, that, that were not successful. Not everything works, right? Uh, well, there was a couple things here at, at Habitat that we that I've tried to implement that uh, that did not work. One of the things you were talking about was Amazon. We uh, we purchased a half a truckload of small Amazon stuff, and it was 13 pallets, and each pallet has between 2,000 and 2,500 items on it. And, right. and you only paid 50 cent an item, so it was easy to make your money back. But um, but logistically for here, it was hard to do. We don't we don't have that kind of room. Right. Um, we just we were so blessed with the donations that we do have that. Um, that that particular thing didn't work for us. Um, that's probably something we wouldn't do again. But one thing that has worked for us is a purchase product of rugs, economical paint supplies, and then the recycled green ching paint. That has worked out very well for us. Um, and all three of those are in our top 10 sellers of, of the store. So those those things have worked out great for us. Um, I think you mentioned clothing as well. Yeah, we, we did try clothing. 
uh, Ryan, we tried clothing on Slappy, and we we knew pretty fast that we weren't. Just wasn't a fit. Yeah, what we were. It takes a lot of manpower to, right. to go through clothing. Then, um, then it takes such a long time to build a customer base. And, right. Um, I was fortunate that the restore was here in, in Albany. wasn't doing well, but uh, a lot of people didn't know about it. And then right. when we made our first move to Slappy, uh, we were a lot more visual. We were on the main right. drag, 19. Um, so it, you know, it helped out. But, but we're not a clothing store. People know right. us as a furniture store, a building material store, housewares, 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 housewares. Yeah. Um, Man, oh man, what to say about housewares? We we do housewares. I know a lot of habitats don't do housewares because it's time consuming. There's sure. a lot of small pieces. It's a lot of cups. It's a lot of plates. It's a lot of forks. It's a lot of knives. Yeah. Um, but habitats, uh, sorry, uh, housewares mm. is ten percent of our sales. Oh wow! So it's it's a major you know and and we spend a lot of time on housewares, but it, it's 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 part of us and right. that's what people people come come to get. So right. um, yeah, we. Clothing, I would probably stay away from. I know there's yeah. there's some habitat restores that do it do it well, yeah. um, but uh, but that was just one of the one of the things that did not work here for us. Well, and that seems through the course of our conversation, one of the things you hit on is you know finding what works, and emphasizing on that and focusing on that, and even when something didn't work like the clothing, you still made it work by virtue of going back to what we were talking about earlier. Somebody brings clothing in, you don't tell them to take it down the street. You go ahead and take it. Yes, absolutely. You make the contribution. So there, you, there's a turnaround there. So, so yeah, I'll take your clothing. I'm not going to sell it, but at least I'm getting you in the door. I'm getting you familiar with our mission. And who knows? Maybe, you know, who knows what that can turn into. Well, they're going to eventually talk to somebody. Some, right. Somebody's going to eventually say, man, I got a bunch of clothes I got to give away. Or, man, I got a, a dress for giveaway. Call those guys at Habitat. And then I, this has been, I get a text message probably about once a week mm -hmm. from somebody that just says, man, your guys just left here. That was the best experience I've ever had trying to get rid of something. Um, so awesome. when I get those text messages, it, that just makes my heart warm, you know, right. that, that we, that, that we're, that their guys are doing that good of a job on the truck that, right. you know, that they've been trained to do. Um, that's but that's, we won't, they will tell somebody if, if they hear, they might not, they might not start the conversation, right. but if, if somebody says, I, I gotta do some spring clean, I gotta get rid of a bunch of this stuff. Um, or one of the other things we do, Ryan, we're doing this tomorrow. We do, we offer a, and I, I call this a service. You know, okay. we don't charge for this service and we don't get paid for this service, but this is a service we do for families. What's that? Whole house cleanouts. Okay. Um, we do probably one or two a week, whole house cleanouts and whole house cleanout is could be several things. Somebody could be relocating right. to, to another state, moving off. Um, somebody could have could be moving in with their children. Some elderly person could be moving in with their children. It could be a death in the family. It could be a number of things. But it could be that somebody has a whole house. They've already gotten all their personal stuff that they want out of the house, and they don't want to deal with it anymore. Right. So they call us. Myself or this restore manager goes to the house, looks at it, not not to not to say whether we're going to get it or not. Right. Just tell them how long it's going to take for us to get everything. Right. And we'll send four or five associates over there the morning of, around 8, 8.30, with totes, with two dozen totes and a newspaper, and we offer a service that we tell them to get whatever you want out, mm -hmm. and then we're going to come in, and we're going to clean this whole house out, and we pack it up. And if you've ever moved, you know what a pain in the butt moving is. Yeah. Um, so this is a service we provide, especially for um, – if someone has passed, a grieving family that okay. really don't want to go through everything. They just, they, I got my stuff out. We got to put the house on the market for sale. Call Habitat. They'll come get everything. And that, that, that conversation happens a lot. I was speaking to a, uh, to a group 
about a month ago in Leesburg, Lee County, and I was telling, and I, 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 they had me for lunch. It was the Lee County uh, Advocacy for Reading program that they have up there, and uh, they invited me to lunch. I was just telling them, and I told them a little bit about the restore, and I had somebody call me the next day and say, "Hey, I've got my mother's house that I need y'all to come get. I need y'all to come get everything out of." It. So I mean, it's, those conversations happen a lot. Um, so, um, you know, just just making sure that making sure you're giving great donor recognition, great donor service, making it easy for the donor to get, they're giving you stuff. And like I said, the hardest part of getting that $793,000 is getting it in the back door. And, and so when somebody's giving it to you, you want to make it as easy and painless and quick as possible for that donor. And Scooter, since I, I know we've got a roll here, but we're uh, running out of time as well. Just to wrap up and conclude, new EDs are coming into Habitat World every single day. You've been on the job now almost four years, came into you know a, a hectic situation, and you've now gotten the, the ship righted, going in the right direction. What are what, some of the things that you would just leave our listeners with to say, here are things that you know, worked for me, didn't work for me, here are my leadership principles. What, what would you leave with a new ED? Um, the, the greatest thing about being an ED is that you're responsible for this boat. Mm -hmm. you're, this, this is your boat, everybody that's in it, they they answer to you. Um, you you're responsible for it. If it sinks, it's probably because of you. If right. it if it gains steam and starts going around the world multiple times, it's probably because of you. Mm -hmm. um, the one stat that I heard when I went to uh, NOLA, which is the uh, NALO. NALO, NALO, New yeah. Affiliate Leaders Orientation. Orientation. Yes, it. It's been a while since it's been. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but I really went too soon. I went the uh, second week I was on the job. Oh, wow. Um, yeah, so I started on like, the second, and I was there on the sixth. Oh, so wow. I went there way too soon. Um, <clears throat> but the one stat that I learned there was that the average retention span for a new ED in the nonprofit world, I don't know if this was strictly for Habitat or not, but the, the uh, retention was 18 months. Right. So every new ED coming in, that average time spent was 18 months. Wow. And I was just, that's not, that's not good. Yeah. That, that's not, I mean, um, and I've heard horror stories about boards, about trying to work. You know, you got 13 bosses, 14 bosses, 15 bosses. I've heard those horror stories. Very, very fortunate for Flint River Habitat for Humanity. I have a great board. Mm -hmm. um, they're very open to ideas. And, um, and, and like I said earlier, taking care of Habitat, Habitat takes care of you um, mentality so right. that they know that everything I do is, is, is what I feel in my heart is the best decision for Habitat. And 99 times out of 100, that's right. <laughs> There's, you know, nobody bats a thousand. But, um, but I would, I would say, if if you're a new leader, you know, don't get discouraged, because um, because it can be very discouraging depending on uh, depending on where you come into this affiliate, whether you're whether you're starting an affiliate brand new, whether it's very mature, whether it's doing great, whether it's doing awesome, or whether it's very mature and not doing awesome. Um, you know, it, it's it's. This job is not for the, uh, in my opinion, for the people that don't want to work, that right. don't want to give it 100%. And I, I came out of commercial real estate. Mm -hmm. Commercial real estate is a good gig. I yeah. mean, it's a, it's a it's an office job. Right. It's an office job with every Saturday, Sunday off, um, Monday through Friday, you know, 9 to 5, hour for lunch. Uh, it's a business. It's an office job, and it's, it's a good job. Mm -hmm. uh, Habitat is not, especially if you're going to run a restore. Right. Um, and uh, you, you've got to be here when the store is open. Um, now that we've got a team in place, I'm seeing myself that I can get away mm -hmm. more, but um, 
But if you come into a situation where it's it's not all sunshine and rainbows, um, you're going to have to work. And uh, like I said, I was on the truck for six months. And um, uh, I will say this: there's nothing easy about this job. Going from uh, going from donor acquisition. Now, customer service is easy to me. I mean, you yeah. you'd be nice, and, and donor acquisition is easy. You'd be nice. Um, but but getting that getting to the point where you have thirty seven thousand customers a year, getting to the point where you have ten thousand donors a year for those for those thirty seven thousand customers, that that's a hard part to get to. Right. It just takes time. And, right. and and going back to doing what you're supposed to be doing. Take care of habitat. Take care of habitat and habitat take care of you. Um, you know, don't get discouraged, but at the same time, I think why the retention rate is so low is because people come into here thinking that it's one thing and it's not. Right. Um, and I will say that I had, I had some rose colored glasses on. I, sure. I thought that, um, that I was going to tell people I work for Habitat and they were going to tell me, well, how much do you want this check for? It has not yeah. happened yet. <laughs> I'm, I'm waiting. Yeah. Um, you know, so I, I thought that, you know, I would call somebody and say, Hey, I'm building a house for Habitat. I call the concrete guy and say, Hey man, you know, I know you need a tax write off this year. Can you, can you do the foundation for free? And he's like, man, I just, I'm sorry. I, I'll do what I can for you, but yeah. you know, there's not going to be donated. And so right. that was, you know, that, that was the first, step that I had to get over and then the second step was you know just uh at the end of the day you know I'm I'm responsible for this place you know I, I do answer to a board right. um and, and and we meet once a month for an hour at lunchtime and and we go over everything that's happened in the past month and and the good things and the bad things and the house dedications and we go over what's going to happen next month with you know what land are we looking to purchase and how many houses are we want to build this year and and we make those decisions, but the day-to-day -day operations, when you're the executive director, you're in charge of the day-to-day -day operations, and you're in charge of making sure that everybody gets a paycheck on Friday, right. and more importantly than that, making sure there's enough money in the bank account to build a house, because right. if you just made payroll last week and didn't put any money back to build a house, you didn't do what you what, what God put you here for. Right. So um, it can be very frustrating, um, it, 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 but at the same time, it can be very re rewarding. Um, I love the fact going home, and I love the fact my kids take part in, in so much of the habitat. Uh, uh, the last house dedication we had was December 17th, mm -hmm. and my eight-year-old was there. She made sure she was recognized uh, for all the help that she did in that house, and she was there. I mean, she was there most work parties because yeah. she wanted to go, yeah. um, and she was right there sweeping up and, and doing everything else. So uh, After the work was done for workman's comp purposes, we'll make sure <laughs> she was not there when work was going on actively. Yeah. So this is after the that's right. Um, Scooter, I appreciate your time, man. Yes, Thank sir. you so much for everything Absolutely. you're doing. And, you know, we just wish you uh, much grace continued on here. Well, uh, we appreciate the support of, of organizations like Habitat Georgia. I mean, uh, you know, the, the things that y'all do for us behind the scenes. I, I appreciate it. Flint River Habitat, we definitely appreciate it. And anything we can do to support y'all, would love to continue that relationship. It's all about relationships. Absolutely. Well, I appreciate you, my friend. And, yes, sir. Uh,